Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. I'm Owen Shadrick. Thank you for joining us for episode two of season six of this podcast. We had a great episode last week to open up our season with a couple of guys who are playing Division I baseball last week. It's great to see Division I baseball back. Some notable performances. We had another home run from Rake Geloff, a.k.a. Jake Geloff, for Virginia. Congratulations to him for continuing to rake on the field. We had a former Vermont Lake Monster, MJ Metz, hit his first dinger for Duke Baseball. Congratulations to MJ. Speaking of the Vermont Lake Monsters, we still have Pete Wilk in our thoughts and prayers as he is going through chemotherapy for brain cancer. Pete, we love you. The GoFundMe link will continue to be in our caption on the podcast, so be sure to look out for that. For this episode, we had Tim Cienciolo, former Pittsfield Sun, 2021 and 2022. He talked about the 2021 championship run and his all-star appearances the last two years. He was also 2022 All-Futures League second team. We discuss UMass Boston. We discuss his time at New Milford High School and the academic weapon that he is. Tim, very smart kid, and you guys are going to love this episode. So we're going to give it to you. Here is Tim Cienciolo. We welcome on our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He is was a member of the Pittsfield Suns in 2021 and 2022 and is currently ramping up for his season with the UMass Boston Beacons. It's Tim Cianciolo. Tim, how you doing today? Good. How are you, Owen? Doing well. Doing well as well. And first question here right off the bat. Obviously, you guys open up Tuesday. How are you feeling heading into opening day and how have you how has the offseason been treating you? Uh, obviously, you know, everyone wants to get going. Um, a little jitters, you know, we're we just on our, you know, our Beacons Instagram page. We just posted like we're six days out. So we're all, you know, you can tell we're all getting there. We want to just play, um, you know, inner squatting each other. And it's getting kind of boring. Uh, we just had a scrimmage in Curry, but, you know, everyone's ready. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, I would love to get the ball game one. Um, I don't know if it's going to line up like that. Uh, but, yeah, we're all just super excited. I know New England College is a pretty good team. I know. Uh, probably one of the pitchers we're going to be facing played on Westfield. He was a preseason All-American. So it's, I feel like it's going to be a good game. Yeah, it'll certainly be fun to see all the D3 Futures Leaguers opening up this season. And you will be a senior with COVID eligibility kind of mixed in there. We'll get to that a little <laughs> bit later. Yeah. But what are your expectations for your team in your senior season, if you will? Um, They're pretty high. Uh, Coming off of, you know, the guys we got back, Um, I feel like we didn't lose – uh, too much you know we lost some some really good players we lost starting center fielder or starting catcher um you know left fielder you know was on and off and you know the guys we got brought back are guys who are um are guys who just kind of manage with adversity and kind of go you know I played with you know Ross Dexter and Drew Metzdorf um last year and then they were with me with Pittsfield and now we're back again you know that extra year of just understanding the chemistry between the three of us and then with the rest of our teammates, um, it just creates the bond that's a little stronger. So, like, I feel this team's a lot closer than we were last year, um, both on and off the field. Like, we like, we just love to be around each other. Um, and I think those off-field bonding moments have really impacted on-field, whether it's in the classroom, the weight room, have really impacted on-field chemistry and allowed us to like, you know, solidify and, you know, put it that extra work for the other guy. And that's super important having team chemistry and whatever you do, but especially 
in a team sport like baseball where you guys are together every day and you're grinding every day. So that's great to hear that yeah. everybody's starting to come together in that locker room. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, uh, even, you know, even a few extra guys, um, you know, like our strong shortstop, John Zarelli played at Norwich like a year ago, I think, um, you know, just playing against him is just something different than playing with him. So obviously knowing how, you know, how he plays, you know, pitching against him is different, but like now having him back with us is just even better. Yeah, we will certainly get into that uh, Futures League talk a little later. But for right now, you set expectations about your team. How about for yourself? What do you hope to accomplish this year at UMass Boston? Uh, expectations pretty high. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, coming off of – I'm not going to lie. Like last year, you know, my first year in Pittsfield, I did well. I was an all-star. You know, tore my labrum against Vermont. You know, sidelined for fall ball for six months of PT. You know, didn't really feel it. Last year in the spring, I felt like I babied the ball. Um, and then coming in the summer was really where I figured myself out with this past year in Pittsfield. And I had a really good summer. I was an all-star again. Um, was I think I got like second team all conf all, all FCBL. Um, you know, put up really good numbers. And that's numbers that I expect for myself. So I'm just trying to carry that over. Um, obviously, that's a pretty high expectation. You know, going for a sub three ERA, you know, low batting average against and you know, any way I can help my team hit up win, that's that's a win for me. Um, so that that's that's my expectation. Like I'm I want the ball as much as I can, whether I throw, you know, conference games on Saturdays or midweek games against, you know, the you know, prime New England competition like Endicott, Roger Williams, Salve, whoever it may be, I want the ball as much as I can to try to help my guys win. And talk about that real quick, going back in the past a little bit. You said you, you had a torn labrum. That's no joke. That's a lot of recovery time. How do you kind of manage that, especially coming off, as you said, a summer where you had a great summer in Pittsfield in 2021 and have to come back to, you know, to school with an injury uh, lingering? Yeah, that uh, that injury in 2021, that was that was probably the most serious injury I've had. Um, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Like, just you know, dressing in baseball pants and being part of practice and realizing that I can't throw a ball. Um, it, it was tough. It was a hard concept to wrap my head around. And, you know, the moment I got back, it was like, okay, six months of PT, continuing PT to this day, whether it's like dumbbell exercises, just simple mobility stuff. And it's weird. Like if I feel like I don't get a certain amount of like PT work in, I don't feel good for like that entire week. Like it's just a weird thing in my head, but you know, I try to stick to a strict, a strict schedule. Um, but like I said, I felt like, you know, last year I babied it and it wasn't until the summer where I really just kind of let my arm loosen up again, like where I was in, earlier before I got injured um, to let everything start going. So hopefully I think I got over that moment. Um, Obviously, like a big injury like that's like different. Like obviously, like I you know get Tommy John, but guys who had get TJ, you know they feel like a sense of, oh my god, every time I throw a ball, is it gonna go again? You know something like that. Um, I got that sense, but I feel like it's a lot better now. I don't really think about that anymore, which is good. Yeah, and that's it's the toughest thing. Like obviously, it's a physical injury, but the mental part of it is it's a whole nother game trying to you know, as you said, get out of your own head and make sure that you can get over that hump and throw a ball. And that's good that Pittsfield kind of helped you write that a little bit, hopefully heading into the season. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. I mean, a huge shout out to our, the team Pittsfield trainer, uh, Christina Mucci. She really helped me. You know, she was 
she helped all the Suns players. We got treatment. I think we could go in for like three times a week. Um, it was amazing what she did with, you know, all the different treatment aspects. So, you know, a huge shout out to her for kind of helping me break that and also just continuing treatment of my shoulder. Yeah. Big shout out to her and all the trainers around the futures league who have helped numerous players do that all summer, all summer long, really. And let's finally get into the futures. You've been in the futures league for the past two seasons. What has been your favorite part about your experiences in Pittsfield? I mean, playing out with Kona Park is pretty cool. Like, um, obviously this year, like, you know, this the grandstands weren't, like, accessible, but it's still pretty cool to play, you know, at the oldest park in, in the country, um, you know, a field that I think I think they told us, like, Jackie Robinson, you know, Babe Ruth played on. Um, the first collegiate baseball game ever played was played on that park, so it was a huge honor. I like the historical feeling of even though they still have the strikeout tobacco sign from like the 1950s or 60s. I think, I think that's cool. Um, and I know they're starting to like revamp some of it now. Um, but I think pl- playing at Wakona was amazing. Um, the mound was really nice. <laughs> it, was a hit- it was not a hitter's ballpark too. So as a pitcher, you love that. Um, and another moment is just the bus rides with the guys. Um, you know, I, I luckily, I had like two really good coaches, you know, Mac Edmond, who's now uh, the head coach of the Bees, and then Kevin Denati. Um, you know, as a starter, they were like, oh, okay, you don't have to travel on away games if you don't pitch. You know, sometimes I would just travel to help the guy, you know, just to be there. And I didn't travel all the time, but like it was just the bus rides I did travel. It was like, that's where you build your chemistry with so many guys. That's where you learn, you know, hey, you know, they help you with pitch grips is where you play games like Mafia on the on the bus ride back or – you know, you, you know, the one time you stop at, you know, we stopped at a shop, right? Cause we needed dinner on the bus and the bus were just like, and we just ended up eating like Kings on the bus ride back. It's just simple stuff like that. And that's the stuff that sticks with you for a long time. And that's like really you create the memories and the, and the friendship and the connections with guys all around the country that come here, come up here to play. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. The bus rides have been a very common not a common answer, but like group, like group events with the guys where you're not on the field, but you're doing stuff off the field together. That seems like that's been the most common answer when I ask that question. So that's great to hear that. Yeah. Also, you know, like, like, I just, sorry, I just thought of another, it was like, no, shoot, know, man. You know, we're called the Pittsfield Suns. You know, it's always sunny. You know, that's why we have the sun delay. It's just, you know, one thing we did the last two years is we did shirtless BP, you know, just for the fun of it. It's just like, you know, to get back, you know, you know, we play, X amount of games for college, you know, 40 plus 50 plus games for college. And like, yeah, we're all here to win and compete at the, in the summer, in the summer league. But like, at the same time, it's like, this is why we fell in love with the game. It's just the aspect where we can have fun and just be ourselves. So like shirtless BP was so much fun. Yeah. That's, <laughs> there's nice. nothing. And, and then you're in the sun too. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. yeah. So speaking of the sun, we, I, pretty much asked every Pittsfield son that's come on here. Got to talk about the sun delays, especially from a pitcher's perspective and a, and a starting pitcher's perspective, no less. What What are your thoughts whenever you see the sun creeping over and it looks like there may be a delay coming? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, so luckily in my two years that I pitched there, I never experienced it. Wow. When I was, when I was pitching, I got super lucky. And I threw, I threw a decent amount of home games. I think this past year, I had like nah, I think ten or eleven starts. Six of them were home. Didn't experience one. The year before, roughly the same thing. Didn't experience um, one. The only one I that 
actually happened was my first year was in 2021. Um, Gedman actually had me come out of the bullpen. He had an opener go for two innings. So the sun delay would hit and then I could just ride. I, th- I ended up throwing innings like three to eight. It was just, but it's, you know, seeing talking to other pitchers who experience it. They said it's like the worst thing in the world because it just kills like your flow. It kills the adrenaline. Like, cause it's like a 15 minute like wait period. Um, you know, and you know, there's always the running joke of like, Oh, who's going to be the one to call it? You know, what hitter is going to be the one to call it? Um, and it's funny, like, you know, who's going to sacrifice the AB because they can't see you. So they tuck their, the brim of their helmet down, but you know, from a pitching point as an advantage, it's amazing. Cause you know, you throw a curveball a little up, they just, the ball just disappears and it's right down the middle and the hitter like freezes. Um, but it's definitely can be very annoying at times. Yeah. We talked to Mike Gervasi a couple of years ago on this podcast and he was the, obviously he's catching. So he's seeing the sun delay kind of happen live and it's scary for him because he's got to catch pitches yeah. from you guys. So it's like that, for the hitter. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. Cause you could get hit for the kit, but for the catcher, it's like, you're blind. You cannot see anything coming your way. Yeah. And it's like, I remember throwing to Mike and him just talking about, it. it's just like, he's like, dude, he's like, I need to wear like three pairs of sunglasses in order for me to barely be able to see. And, you know, he, I remember it, <laughs> one time when uh, Isaiah Mestre was throwing to him, he straight up just missed the fastball and hit the ump square in the chest. And that's when they called it. He was just like, yeah, I didn't see it. Um, it it's tough. And, you know, you don't want to be like that guy to call it. Um, but I think it's a unique feature of the field because, you know, back then, you know, they didn't have lights when they built the field in 1892. So they just played every day game. So I, th- I think it's a pretty cool feature. Yeah, it is a unique part of the Futures League, and I always love talking about it. So that that was a that was a great conversation about the the age old sun delay. Yeah. And you mentioned it before. You've had two managers in your two years in the Futures League. I want to ask about both. We'll start with Matt Gedman. What has he taught you most about the game, as especially for a guy who's been in the Futures League for such a long time? I mean, Getty's the man. I love him. Um, I almost followed him to New Britain. Um, me and Caleb Spur actually, because Caleb and I both played on Pittsfield both years. Um, we both almost followed him there because we just, we loved him. We loved his attitude, what he brought to the field. It was, you know, we, I think he played like, you know, high A, um, you know, obviously knowledge, knowledge of the game, but it's just he, the way he talks about simple things. Like I know from a hitter's perspective, I would actually talk to him about what hitters see in certain counts, because then I know to do the opposite of that as a pitcher. Um, so it helped my game that way. Um, but it's funny, like the, like some of the t- conversations I like, you know, you know, maybe you walk two guys in a row and he comes out to talk to you. It's just, he wouldn't talk to you about baseball. He would just talk to you about random stuff to calm you down. Um, and you know, that's a huge mechanism in how I pitch now. It's like, you know, let's take that cleansing breath. Let's take that deep breath. But it's just like, Hey, you know what I'm going to make for dinner later tonight. You know, it just, it just takes your mind off the moment and then you can refocus and go. Um, and I think that that's a big thing, but just being able to relax and play the game. I think that's one of the biggest things he's taught me. And besides looking at for what hitters look at when in certain counts. Yeah. Getty certainly a wise man of the game. And and that's great that he's, you know, he's taught you that stuff, especially, you know, you said he's more of like a hitters guy, but he can teach you that from a, even from a pitcher's perspective, just trying to learn that way. Yeah. 
And then on the flip side of that, last year you had Kevin Donati as your manager, obviously a younger guy than Get- Getty. Not by much, Getty. Don't worry <laughs> about that. But what was it like having uh, a younger guy at the helm coaching you guys last year? It was nice. Um, I mean, Kev was, I think, 25. Uh, and I was, you know, a few months away from being 22. Um, and, you know, we were there every day. Like, obviously, he owned Rip City, which was, like, the indoor facility. So, like, I would see him every day. Whether I was going in the lift there, you know, throwing the cage or, you know, obviously being at the field. But, you know, having a younger coach, it just – it makes it more relatable from when like he played to I played because it's, you know, obviously as we know, like baseball, the game changes, you know, um, the biggest thing is now is like the huge pitch clock violations and all that stupid stuff. Um, but just like, you know, it went from small ball. Now, you know, it's big fly Homer, you know, strikeout numbers are up and just talking to him about how he played and how I play. It's very similar. Um, and he's more of, you know, let's, you know, let's get psyched. Let's get jacked up to go, to go compete, which is awesome because that's, you know, that's totally me, you know I mean? And I just remember the the day I set the strikeout record against Worcester at Wakona. He walked, he called, like, I think I gave up like a double and then I walked a guy and he walked out. He's like, Hey, do you really want someone else to give up your runs right now and blow your ear? And it just got me like psyched up. I'm like, no, this is my game. Like I want this. And it's just, it's just like, he plays, like he plays the mind game, like, uh, like Getty did, but in a slightly different way to psych you up because you realize like, Hey, like you're a kid, I'm a little older than you, but I can like, I can still relate to you, which was amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's, you just said it. It's like, as I said with Getty, it's that perspective, like having guys with different angles coaching you. Cause obviously, you know, you go to UMB, you have the same coach every year, but going to Pittsfield and having two different guys to teach you kind of the two different ways that they operate. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, even, you know, my first year I had uh Brandon Shikalelis, I probably push him and we call him coach Sheik. He pitches, uh, he's the pitching coach at UMass Amherst, you know, completely different who, I had the following year, which is Alex Carasudo, who was a former Beacon, who was the pitching coach. You know, two different philosophies, both, you know, helped kind of mold me into what I am right now, which is another good thing. Yeah, it's a fantastic thing to have. And you mentioned it uh, a couple seconds ago, but Kevin did own Rip City Academy, and he talked about on when he came on the show how important that was to have you guys in there and training in there. So how much did that help you? Oh, it was tenfold I, w- I wish we had i wish i had that first year um yeah it's amazing their facility is gorgeous um anyone in that area should go try to train there um because they have i think like six squat racks they have um a, you know a head strength coach there who you know if you wanted to you could write a program but most guys come in with a program but you know we could lift in there seven days a week we could go hit in there off you know have the hit tracks going with you know guys feeding the machine there's like eight to ten tunnels there's bullpens there's dummies like every like guys were constantly in there and it got to the point where kevin was just like hey like this is where the spare key is hidden and like just let us go um and it you know it was awesome and you know in a college baseball environment like guys don't get to work outside of college baseball you know during the summer like it's even harder too like it's a little lighter you know, he was even helping some of us out with like, Hey, like, do you mind? Like you want to give lessons if you like, if guys ask like, for work, you know, to give lessons. So we were there, you know, spending an extra little more time. Um, but it was, it was 
a beautiful facility. It helped, I think, everybody because, you know, maintaining strength and mobility and flexibility is key in season. And I think that's prevented a lot of injuries. Yeah, that certainly helps. And those training facilities, we talk about it all the time um, on this podcast, how outside work and work in those type of environments can definitely help guys improve their game in so many ways. So that's yeah. awesome that you were able to get that on a daily basis with Pittsfield. Yeah. Hold on, we'll get right back to Back to the Futures. But first, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities, so let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And you guys have had a number of great arms come through the organization, whether it's yourself, Isaiah Mestre, who we've talked about, Ryan Langford, Ian Donahue, among others. What's it been like to be part of that staff with such good arms coming through Pittsfield? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, knowing, you know, because the, you know, those guys you just named, you know, um, exclude myself, like myself, it was Zeke, um, Langford, uh, Ian Donahue, um, those guys. I mean, all different ways of pitching. Um, you know, for example, you know, Zeke has a four pitch mix, and he rather, you know, he's high to mid eights, paints corners, and makes you look like a fool, compared to you know Ryan Langford, who you know was touching ninety seven in the championship game, just blowing fastballs and ripping uh, bangers of sliders off guys' front hip. It was it was awesome. Um, but knowing like that was the year I came in was amazing because I, I think I learned more. I like, I like this. I got to say, like, I learned a, a ton from my pitching coaches. I'm not going to take anything away from my pitching coaches here at UMass Boston, but hearing how other guys have cues for mechanical or how they throw a X pitch or, you know, what they're thinking mentally on the mound is a lot different because, you know, Again, it's the age-related thing. Like, you know, someone who has high success at your same age, you want to try to compare yourself to them to help you get better. And I think that's, you know, that's what we did. You know, when this past year, they kept referring to me and Isaiah as like co-aces. And it was just like, hey, you know, in the beginning of the year, we both, you know, told ourselves like, hey, let's, let's compete with each other as we compete with the other guys. And, you know, it was just like the running joke of us going back, like, Oh, Tim, you know, I went six innings, two runs, nine Ks. And like me, you know, coming back was like, oh, Zeke, this is my style. And it was just, it was a constant competition between ourselves as we played guys. And that's what you want. Um, You want guys who love baseball, are there to compete and help your teammates in any way you can. Yeah, that's, that's an, that's a new one kind of competing against yourselves. I like that. Cause especially for, as you said, Zeke, 
is a diff- like a different pitcher than you, a different pitcher than Ryan Lankford. It's it's great that you guys are kind of in with each other, but it's also like, all right, let, let's try and so each, show each other up, but also yeah. we're trying to win at the same time. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier. You've been an all-star your last two seasons here with the Futures League, both seasons you've played. What did it mean to be chosen for, for both all-star games and be recognized among the great group of guys that get honored every year? Oh, it felt amazing. Um, I know my, my first year, I really wanted it. Like, I really, really wanted it. Um, I, I had really good numbers. Um, and I know the second year, like, that was my expectation. I'm like, hey, it's I got to hit the All-Star game. Um, but it feels, I mean, I mean, like, let's say there's, what, 40 guys to a team and, like, roughly eight teams. So it's roughly 320 guys. And, you know, I got chosen to be, you know, one of 20 pitchers for one team or 10 pitchers for one team, 20 pitchers total, like that, that means a lot, you know, um, anyone who doesn't say otherwise is just, they're lying. Like it's an amazing honor. Um, and being around those group of guys, I mean, understand like the division, you know, it's division one, two, three, NAIA, like, you know, being at the all-star game, I felt like I could compete with some of those, you know, division one guys. Like, and I felt like I did, you know, at times, you know, at times they beat me, you know, that's part of baseball. I beat them. But at the same time, like, I felt like in the mindset, it's just like, you know, I'm here for a reason. My numbers speak for themselves. My work ethic speaks for itself. I'm here to compete and just have fun. Um, but yeah, back-to-back years as an all-star, that was, that was awesome. Um, and I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. Like the path that I went from, you know, tour labrum to PT to working my butt off and the all-star, like it, it meant a lot to me the second year, knowing I got hurt that first year. Yeah. Especially after you get hurt, it's great to come back and solidify yourself as an all-star once again. And you mentioned that, you know, you're in D3 at UMass Boston, but one experience that you get with the Futures League is being able to throw and show off your skills in front of professional scouts during our all-star festivities. What does that mean to you to get out in front of those guys who are potentially looking at you for a future in baseball? Oh, it's awesome. It's scary at the same time, but it's awesome. Um, I don't know. I'm guessing other people feel that way. Um, some guys just like they say they're used to it. Like, I don't, I don't think I'd ever get used to it. Um, it's, it's cool. Um, knowing you know like i said knowing i'm there because of my numbers because of the capability because of my hard work um it's just another way to prove myself to someone else you know you know my thought process is you know when i get on the mound i do like you know i put the fu in fun like i try to have fun but i gotta have like that edge you know um but you know seeing you know knowing that i'm in with a group of guys and there's potential to play baseball at the next level that like that's what i want to do i want to play for as long as i can and the moment i can stop playing or like i'm told i'm stop playing um you know i'll pick up you know pick up a fungo and start coaching but i want i would love to play for as long as i can and knowing that you know the future league can attract you know scouts um to guys for guys to get advantage for the for the future years to play baseball at the next levels an amazing quality um not a quality that i've really experienced um but yeah it's, it's it's a cool it's a cool feeling to know that you know when you step on the mound there's could be a few guys in the stands with some clipboards with your name and they're taking notes on you for the for the future potentially yeah it's really cool to see especially for 
you know, as I said, like guys in D3 schools who might not get as much attention as the D1 guys, but they're all out there competing on the same field. And that's what, that's what matters at the end of the day. Yeah. And one quick question about the all-star game last year, we did change up the format a little bit, having two captains, including your f- former teammate, Joel Lara, who did choose you for the all-star game. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, I loved it. Um, I remember Joel texted me the day uh, you guys were doing the draft <laughs> and he was like, Hey, here's my plan. And this is when I plan on picking you. Like it was, it was funny. Um, and I was just like, okay, like, and I, I was friends with, uh, Oh my god! I was friends with Goldstein, and like, like I knew, like I knew it. Like I was like, okay, I could end up on other on either team. Like I'm just hoping I'm with like my teammates and some of my friends. Um, and you know when the All Star list came out, it was just like you know I got picked up by Joel, and like I did like a mini like like fist pump. I was like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> like it was nice knowing that. Um, yeah, because I mean, you know, you teammates stick together. Like, like I said, like building that relationship with people, whether on off the field, on the field. Know it sticks for a long time. You know, I still, you know, I'll slide up on Joel's Instagram stories and you know just see how he's doing and vice versa. So it's, it was it was it was a nice experience to have to to play with him again. Yeah, and you guys. Besides that, you took the field together in 2021 on the Pittsfield Suns, and you guys made an incredible run that year, getting all the way to the championship series. Obviously, it unfortunately didn't work out that way for you guys, but it was it was just so cool to, to see you guys and know that you were a part of that. So, what was it like being part of that team, chasing the championship in 2021 with Chief Wakona by your side, and almost getting there at the end? That that. That that year was like uh that year was like I said, like it was, it was it felt like a fever dream that pushed towards the end. Um, because I remember, you know, I got hurt, but I stayed in Pittsfield because I wanted, you know, I wanted to be part of that, just like like the environment, the culture. And I I wish one, I wish I could have played. You know, I don't know if I could have made a difference, but you know, you never know. Um, but two, it was just like that that team that team was pretty close to be a summer team. Um, you know, it's not like college when you're with each other 24 seven for seven, eight months. Like that team was got really close really fast. And that's, I think that's why we had success. Um, and it was just like, that game was heartbreaking that three, two loss, because we know we worked, you know, we battled back against Brockton in round one and then coming back to, you know, we beat Vermont up at their place. I think we smashed them. We made them like 14 to three or something. And then almost pulling it off on our home field, like that was like okay, we got one more shot. And then, you know, it was that year was our ace versus their ace. It was Zeke versus uh, Harrington. And you know, I remember I think it was Joel or Jack Cooney. They got it started in the ninth, put up the two spot, and it was just like Dravasi's line drive off of a kid throwing ninety seven, just right at the right field. All of us thought that was down for us to go ahead in the ninth. Um, it was tough, but that team that run was amazing. And I like, even though we lost, like I can still remember almost every detail. Yeah. Again, as I said, it was, it was an incredible team to watch both you guys in Vermont. It seemed like as you kept winning in the playoffs, there was the the stars were aligning for you guys to have an Epic championship series. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so after that year, you come back for 2022 you're a veteran leader in the locker room. You end up with all FCBL honors, which congratulations for that. Obviously very well deserved. Um, but in 2022, you're a veteran now of the futures league. You're a second year guy. What advice were you dishing out most in the locker room? And what's the best advice you were given in your first year that may have translated to your second year? 
uh, I think the biggest thing was just, like I said, like put the F you in fun, like just relax. That's something Getty told me. Um, and it's just, you know, that's, that's the best thing I gave guys, you know, that team, that Pittsfield Suns team, I was just on this past year. Like we were super young. A lot of young guys were on it. Like, um, you know, whether they were incoming freshmen, like they weren't, you know, older. So it was just like, you know, when they got in that rut, you know, whether it was a hitter who went on a slump, a pitcher who just couldn't find it, you know, just remember like, Hey, like it's, it's baseball. Like it's one of the hardest sports, you know, hard it is to hit a baseball, you know, stuff like that. And it was just, you know, my coach here at school always says embrace the nine versus one mentality when you're on defense. Like there's nine of us versus one guy. Like we, we got it. Like they may beat us here and there, but like, we're still going to do it. And I think that's what really helped progress to um, a good season for myself. Um, and a lot of guys, I mean, you know, we didn't, I didn't, we didn't make the playoffs. We didn't do too hot, but I think there was a lot of individual performances that, guys understood and they really took that philosophy and really, you know, did well throughout that season. Like, uh, for example, Bo Branham, you know, he broke the Pittsfield Suns uh, batting average in a season. I think he hit like 347 or something like that, 348, maybe 350. Like, it's just, this is a kid who came in, who struck out his first seven at-bats and was just like, dude, baseball sucks. And it was just like, hey, like, you know, just keep working. You know, work while you wait, just keep working, and it's going to find a way. And, you know, there he was, set the new batting average in the season. So, it actually was set by our head coach, Kevin Donati. So, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was fun. And it, and again, you said it, though. It was a good locker room there in Pittsfield. And speaking of records, you did break one yourself. You, do no, you are now the record holder for strikeouts in a game for Pittsfield Suns pitchers. What does it mean to you to be edged forever in Pittsfield Suns? in the record books. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm blessed. It's really cool. I didn't know I did it at the time though. Like I, stri- like I didn't know, like I got my last strikeout and I was just remembering like, Ooh, that, that swing looked pretty bad. <laughs> I can't on a change up. And I just walked off the field. Everyone's like your game. And it was at the end of the game where they announced where I did it. And I was like, Oh my God. And then people were like congratulating me. Um, but it's awesome knowing like, like I said, the history of Wakona, you know, the first college baseball game was ever played there. Like knowing that, like, you know, I'm, I'm in that record book is pretty cool. Um, and I know, I mean, I think Billy Madwell actually told me a few, I've said it a few times, like we tied it a few times. Like Zeke had like 11 strikeouts, like twice that year. And, you know, just that one game, I got the 12th, you know, it could have been, it could have been him any other moment, um, which is pretty cool knowing that both of us were just right there. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a huge honor. Um, hopefully it stands for a little bit, you know, um, I think the last, I think Billy told me it stood for like, you know, five, six years before I broke it. Um, hopefully the same, you know, but if someone breaks it, you know, I'll tip my hat to them and say congratulations. Yeah. We'll, we'll have that record stand for a little bit. (laughs) Gotta keep it, keep it there. Yeah. Before we return to back to the futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian back company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Back Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest-grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond, and after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. 
For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. So transitioning from the Futures League to your time at UMass Boston, you were part of the 2019 high school class, which means COVID hit you harder than most graduating classes. Yeah. How have you used what happened in 2020 to, in 2020 to your advantage, especially now that you mentioned it before we uh, we even started that you have an extra year of eligibility that you're going to use? Yeah, COVID was uh, COVID was huge for me. Um, I, I was one of the lucky ones, um, to be honest. Um, you know, I see COVID as you know a curse and a good thing. Yeah, it sucked that I lost a year of eligibility and be able to play for those guys. Um, but it honestly helped me. I mean, I graduated high school at 149 pounds. I was a twig. <laughs> um, and you know, you know, the six months, six seven months in college. You know, I think I got up to like 156, you know, only gaining like seven pounds. And when COVID hit, you know, obviously everything shut down. Um, a buddy of mine who lives like half a mile away, um, they started building like a home gym. Like they had a squat rack. They had everything. Trap bar, deadlift, like dumbbells. They had everything. And it was, I would go, like my day was so structured. It was like I would go to class. I would, you know, go to the high, local high school. I would do sprint work in the morning, um, go to class, go go throw, you know, go long toss, whatever I have to do that day, and then go lift. Every day at like two o'clock, we were lifting. Um, so I was basically running a two a day for like six months. And it was it honestly helped me because I went from, you know, the 155-ish pounds to I got up to like 185. And you know, that, you know, that 30 pounds of you know, I'll say muscle, but I know it's not, not all muscle, but let's say, you know, that, that gain of 30 pounds, you, you, let's say, you know, 15 to 18 or 18 to 20 of it was muscle. And it, that really elevated my game. You know, I went from a guy who was, you know, I could spin to win, you know, it was curveball change up, sneak a fastball in at like 82, 83, um, to a guy who was then sitting, you know, that COVID year, we had like an abbreviated, abbreviated season for college. You know, I was, you know, I earned myself a starting role in the rotation. You know, I went from a guy who was going to be really, you know, a midweek Mikey, as my coach likes to say, and like a reliever to, you know, a guy in our starting rotation who threw, you know, the Saturday doubleheader. And I was, I remember I, you know, I popped my first like 89. And I was like, oh my God, this is cool. You know, I was sitting, you know, 85 to 88 most days. And, you know, at the Division three level, you know, that's, that's pretty good, you know. Um, I remember, you know, popping my first 90 in the summer. That was that was amazing. You know, it, it's, it felt like all that hard work really paid off. You know, I did, you know, like I said, like two, almost two days for six, seven months. And in the beginning of the season, like you just, the radar gun wasn't showing it. And I got really flustered, you know, really in my head, like, oh, my God, is this even worth it? I put in all this work. But, you know, COVID actually helped me. Um, yeah, I have years. I've It's crazy. I'm a, I'm a senior academically, but a sophomore on the field this coming year. So I still have this year plus two more. Um, I don't know if I'll use all of them, to be honest, but COVID, COVID helped. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm one of the few lucky ones that actually helped. Yeah, you said it. It's a blessing and a curse, really. And and it, it definitely helps certain people, but also it it was tough for some people, but that's good that you used, you took the positives out of it and, and made of, made of it what you could. 
So going back to the Futures League real quick, well, obviously at UMass Boston, plenty of guys have played in the league, uh, whether it's been on your team or not. What has it been like to play with some of those guys at college and then facing them in the Futures League, whether it was Dylan Ryan, Alex Amalfi, or you mentioned Drew Mesdorf you played with earlier? Yeah, I mean, facing those guys, um, it, it's fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I remember, <laughs> um, you know, obviously my first year, Dylan Ryan, Alex Mulvey on, you know, they were on Brockton. One was on Worcester. You know, we took all three of us were all stars. We took a picture. Um, that was a really great moment. You know, this past summer, I played with, you know, Ross Dexter and Drew Metzdorf. Again, me and Metzi were both all stars. We were there at the game together on the same team. Um, you know, my first year, Giannis is really our shortstop. He played on Norwich for a few games, uh, for I think it was like the back half of the season. I never faced him, which I really wanted to, um, because he was my roommate too. Um, even then, then this past year, you know, Craig Corliss, who's our starting catcher, um, you know, we all we still talk about it to this day. Um, you know, when we faced him, and I remember I got it, I struck him out twice. I think it was two separate games, but I got him twice. I know that, and I hold that over his head all the time. Uh, one of them being like the Taco Bell strikeout player of the game. Um, you know, you strike him out, you know, the fans get tacos or like a, fry, a free taco. Um, but, you know, I always say that. Um, but he also, you know, he laced a double off the wall against me. So he says that back to me. So, like, it's awesome. It's, it's nice knowing I go to a program that breeds hardworking good athletes. Um, I mean, you know, Futures League is a pretty credible league in, up here in New England. Like, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get picked up to go to, up to the Cape. Um, you know, myself, I got, you know, midway through the season, just after, just before the All-Star game, I got a, I got a call from my coach saying, hey, like, in the NECBL, one team wants to go play, and now I'm playing in the NECBL this, this upcoming summer. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's a pretty credible league. They there's a lot of talent in there from division one to division three though. Everyone can play. Um, but facing my teammates is just, it's something different because I know I'm going to see him and we're going to say something to each other. Um, but it, it's a lot of fun. I from Craig, I give the double to Craig, you know, I said something and the umpire was like, what did you say? And I was like, no, he's my teammate back at school. And we both just laughed about it. And we still talk about it to this day too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. And you mentioned it before, you play with a lot of hardworking guys, and that's what Division Three is known for. So I want to ask you, like I ask everybody on this podcast who's in Division Three, how much pride do you take in playing for a Division Three school? I love it. I, I love it, man. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, um, you know, you, you know, the Beacons, you know, we're pretty pretty good um, up here in the LEC. Um, in the New England, you know, before I got here, they, you know, in the three World Series, they won – you know, the conference four years in a row, three years in a row, whatever it was. Um, it, it's awesome. I take pride in being a D3 athlete. Like, does it ever, like, hit my mind of, oh, should I enter the portal and, like, you know, try to go D1? Like, but then I always realize, like, this is, you know, this is the coach, this is the team, this is the program that gave me a shot to play at the next level. And, you know, they're the one that developed me into who I am today. So, you know, it's awesome knowing that, you know, this team just kind of took a shot on you, you know, division three athletes aren't the like, you know, it's not like they're the first ones to go off in front of college scouts because, you know, college scouts take the division one guys, you know, D2, you know, um, but knowing that, you know, being a D3 athlete, knowing how hard I work, 
um, both on and off the field. Um, it's pretty satisfying to know that, you know, I can still play against division one guys in the summer and still have success. Um, I think the, one of the hardest workers I think I've met is a shout out to Caleb Spur at Ennecott. Um, this is a kid, my, my first year at Pittsfield, like you can even talk to him. If you have him on this podcast, bring it up, feel free. You know, he, he even met, he's like, dude, like I sucked my first year. He straight up said that to me. I was like, yeah, you kind of did, you know, not going to lie. And here he is preseasons, I think second team all American, you know, he's an all American last year in college. He's going to UConn for his grad year. Like, I think that just speaks volume of what a D3 player is because I get, again, another guy, Billy Olin played for Vermont the first year, you know, now D3 won a national championship at East Con, Eastern Connecticut state. Now he's pitching for Southern Miss at the division one level. Like, you know, it's just that hard work. I think, you know, a lot, you know, as my coach says, some D1 schools, like, you know, they coddle you, they give you all the cool fancy stuff. And, you know, we're just here just, nitty and gritty trying to find a way. And I, I like that, you know, it, it helps me outside of athletics too. Like whether it's finding a job, writing a resume, like I just feel it's a little bit more of an edge. Yeah. You definitely see that with guys who are in D3. It always seems like they have more of an edge and I, I wouldn't say more of a determination, but like there, there's a certain chip on their shoulder that they, they put onto the baseball field. And I always love talking to all division three guys about that. Cause that's, it's an awesome trait to have. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's different, and I like it. Um, You know, knowing, you know, I remember when I think when I faced Worcester, I remember, you know, you know, in the beginning of the game, they announced, you know, like, you know, Tim Cianzio from UMass Boston, like, and I remember I heard, like, Penn State or something like that. Like, I heard, like, a Power 5 conference, and I'm just like, oh, like, in my head, I'm like, when you step in the box, the first thing I'm doing is throwing a fastball up and in to get you off my plate to set the tone. Because that's just that's what I want to do. Like I don't care if you're a big power five school, you still have to go and compete and you still gotta beat me. So like it's just like it's just that thing. Like I know a lot of D three guys have it. Like I know Spur has it. Like when he when a division one pitcher's up on the mound, he's like, I really want to beat this kid just be just to show he's not better than me. Yeah, that's awesome. And and it's gonna continue throughout the leagues of the years of the futures league. And I'm definitely excited to see that going forward yeah. from these D three guys. And coming out of high school, you had, I'm sure, a number of choices for schools, but UMass Boston was the one you went with. What was the your, your recruitment process like to college? Uh, my recruitment process was pretty easy. <laughs> I applied to one school. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it was, like you said, like I had a toss-up. I think I had like three or four schools. Um, I think the highest division I had was like Stonehill College, who's now Division One when they were D2. Um, Western New England was up there. Uh, Worcester State, you know, I toured it, but like I didn't really get the vibe. But it was when I, when I came to UMass Boston, it was, you know, I did the tour of the school before I had my meeting with Coach uh, Igbro. So I saw everything, like the nice buildings, like I saw the not so nice building, but it's whatever. I love the campus. But it was, and I played on the field before. I played on it for an AAU tournament, so like it felt, you know, it felt good playing on this facility. You know, we. Again, still took the tour, like any college coach would. Um, and the thing was just like, hey, like, this is our philosophy. This is what we believe in. You know, we're feeding the meter. We're, you know, eating to compete, to gain weight, to get stronger, bigger, faster. And, you know, 
at the end of the day, like we're playing on a top facility in New England at the division three level. Like there's some schools that, you know, division one levels are like, yeah, our facility is nowhere near nice as yours. Like I play on a $6 million facility. That's an exact replica of Fenway. <laughs> like the only difference is our monster's 32 feet and the other one's 39. Like it's all turfed out. So we're out like, you know, some schools were hitting inside this past week. We just scrimmage against Curry because yeah, it might've been cold, but we're out on the turf and our field can handle it. Um, it was that, and then just talking like again their their philosophy. It's just hey, the best players play. You know, I don't have favorites. Um, you know, one man goes down, another one steps up. That kind of philosophy, and that's what I've always had since high school. Um, just knowing that, you know, because Johnny is a senior, he's gonna play over me as a freshman. But meanwhile, as a freshman, I was better than Johnny. For example, um, it's just the best guys play. You know. And I think that's that's really cool, you know. For example, is my my former roommate Gianni Zarelli played for Norwich. You know, he started shortstop as a freshman. He started over a senior and a junior. Best guys play. You know, I was a sophomore. I was in the starting rotation with Dylan Ryan and Amalfi, who were also sophomores. Um, but you know, there were two seniors who could have been potential starters ahead of us, and we just beat them out. Um, yeah, that's 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 the main reason I came to UMB. You know the the facilities were beautiful, the, the philosophy and knowing Coach Agabrote was, you know, national coach of the year. Um, and he could add a lot more to my repertoire as a player. And also that means he's going to bring in good coaches around him to fill out his staff. It's super important to get that promise from coaches that, hey, it's like, if you play better than these guys, you're going to hit the field. If you yeah. prove yourself to be better, we are going to play you. It's not about, as you said, it's not about seniority. It's about skill it's about who is the best player stepping on the field and i think that's that's super important so that's great to hear yeah it was, it was nice knowing that when i went on my tour and everything um and you know it's like you know looking back back at high school like my bro my both my older brothers played uh high school baseball too um and with this coach who was just like you know juniors and seniors play there's not there's never going to be a sophomore in my team and you know then as you know, he ended up leaving, we got a new coach, and there I was, a sophomore on the team, a new coach, just I was better than some of the seniors, and I got playing time. Like, it's just a nice to know that philosophy stuck through and at the, at the next level. Like, and that's how it is at the next level as baseball. As you go up the ladder, it's just the best players play, whether you're a freshman or a seventh-year senior because of COVID, you know, like the, the best guys play. You know, it's their job to win, and they want to put the best players out there. Yeah, that's awesome. And speaking of the best players hitting the field, you guys open up next week against New England College and then face MIT and Framingham State. Have you gotten any inclination yet on whether you'll be starting, coming out of the pen, pitching at all? Uh, yeah, I know. Um, I know I'll probably be starting. I, like I said, I started uh, the Curry scrimmage um, this past Monday, so I'm kind of lined up to uh, start that day. But uh, like I said, we got some pretty good arms. Um, really like I'm really excited for the season. Um, like I know I'll probably get a start one of those three games, maybe two of those three games, depending on time and weather. You know, went from sixty degrees here in Boston to snowing today, so that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, hoping to get a hoping to get a start. Um, hoping maybe two before Florida. We head down to Florida for spring break. We play like eight games. We play some, we play a pretty tough schedule down there. Um. But yeah, knowing to uh, 
to tune some stuff up um, against some good teams, um, see some good competition before we head down to Florida, sort of before the season like really gets going. Um, that'd be really nice. Yeah, it's going to be good to get those couple of games in definitely before you head south for spring break, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And going back even further, you went to New Milford High School. You were a captain of the baseball team and were named Southwest Conference Pitcher of the Year and first team All-Southwest Conference. How would you describe your experience in high school? My high school experience was good. Um, like I said, like just recently I was, um, you know, freshman, freshman year I played freshman ball for most of the year, got called up to JV. Um, I think what really set the tone was my freshman year, I actually threw a perfect game. I, like, it was awesome. It was the greatest feeling in the world. And, you know, I think that's what really put me on the map. Because then, you know, coaches were like, okay, like this kid can compete. Like, let's see how he does at the varsity level. And it was like, like any other young, you know, young arm, it's just be like, okay, we're gonna give you a few bullpen innings first, and then maybe a start. And it was just like, they saw that I could handle it and I just kept going. Like you said, one, I won pitcher of the year. I was first team all FCBL, uh, sorry, all SWC. Um, and I think like those were the years where, you know, that year that happened, my sophomore year, um, really set the stage for my junior and senior year to be like, okay, like this is my expectation. I have to hit this, you know, this is what's, you know, I keep going at this expectation, you know, some, Someone's going to notice me to play college baseball. Like my mind was so set. Like I want to play college baseball. I want to play college baseball, you know? And, you know, like I said, I feel like it molded me into who I am today. Um, you know, academically, you know, athletically, you know, in the weight room, it's just like, I, I'm still competing like I did back in high school. Um, and I think that's, that's it. Like, like, like I said, in their edge. Um, and I, and I want that, you know, I, you know, when my parents drive three hours up from New Milford to see me play in Boston, like I still want to impress them because they're the ones who gave me this opportunity to play at the next level. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's nice. I feel like high school was really good starting point for me. And then when I hit college, that's even more when my, you know, foot, uh, foot hits the gas and I just go even more, um, Obviously, COVID played played something in that, but um, but yeah, it was high school. High school was a fun experience. Um, to be honest, I don't think I would go back <laughs> to high school. Uh, I think I love I love being around college teammates even more because I know these guys love the love for the game of baseball is even higher than it was in high school. Yeah, certainly. And you talked about it. You're you're always competing uh, on the field and off the field. So speaking of off the field, you were uh, you were quite the genius in high school. Winning a couple <laughs> yeah. of awards: National Honor Society, French Honor Society, Math Honor Society, High Honors, all four years. How much do you value edu- education? I think it's the bread and butter of what makes you you. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was up for the Einstein Award too for my team. Uh, I actually lost it to my roommate who's actually playing probably Fortnite or something in the next room. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I value education very, uh, very close to my heart. I was, I think set something set forth by my parents. Um, both went to Miami, Ohio. Um, both were actually in the marching band. So like they forced music down my throat and I'm actually the only non-musically person talented in my family. So that's great. Uh, I got baseball though, but education, super huge. Um, you know, our coach, Coach E always talks about being an academic weapon, um, you know, because that's where 
you know, that's where employers are going to look, you know, not everyone goes and plays professional baseball as much as we want to dream it. No one does. And even to this day, we have a, every Saturday with coachy, we have the people project. That's what we call it. And every time he teaches us like a new skill, like how to tie a tie, handshakes, resumes, you know, mock interviews, like, you know, here's a, here's a D three coach's job is just to win baseball games, but he's teaching us for life after baseball. So I think education is this uh, stepping stone. And for any young viewers or guys who are listening or watching, it's just, you know, take that seriously because when you, you're going to get a lot more money academically than you are athletically, especially if you play the division three level where there's no athletic scholarships, academics are huge. Um, And, you know, I wasn't amazing on my SAT at all, but I still got a pretty high merit scholarship because of, you know, how hard I put work in, um, in high school. And from a lot of guys, you know, I know a lot of people panicked. A lot of my friends in high school panicked because junior year, their GPA wasn't where they wanted to be. So they tried to play catch up and you got to realize that starts from freshman year, you know, from day one of freshman year, like it just doesn't stop. Yeah. And that's great. You mentioned it, that your coach takes the time to teach you guys. Obviously it's not, you know, they're not teaching rocket science or anything, but it's, it's great. That, like <laughs> yeah. the, the ways of life, how to tie a tie, handshakes, resumes. It's, it's great that they take the time to do that, knowing how, you know, busy you guys are with sports and, and whatnot. Yeah. And so one more question about that kind of going back to college and, and your mindset currently, how much do you struggle or how much of a challenge is it to balance sports and academics? And for those, for those younger guys who may not have been doing it for as long of a time, what, what is your recommendation to them to try and, you know, keep that, keep that balance between sports and academics and not falling behind? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for I, uh, I think, I think the first thing people have to realize that if, you know, any high school, high schoolers or even early freshmen is that every program is different. So my coach here at UMB doesn't believe in like the 6 a.m. lifts. Okay. So like the old adage of, you know, you wake up at 545 in the morning to go lift and go to class and go to practice. Then like, it, it like, that's not a normal thing um, at every major university. Like, you know, like one team lifts at six o'clock in the morning, probably. And it's, it's just how it is based off of schedules. Um, but, you know, it is a grind some days, you know, I'm taking, a few master's levels classes right now. So those are only once a week from four to 7 PM on Wednesdays and Thursdays. You know, I know those days are my really long days. Cause I, I go class, I'm in a research team too. Um, I go research study from 8 AM to noon. Then those days I go to practice from usually 1230 to 3:30. leave practice early and go to class. You know, you know, meal prepping is huge. I think that's the biggest advice because you got to eat to compete as my coach loves to say. Um, but yeah, meal prepping is huge, you know, staying on, you know, on pace, like having, you know, some people write down on their phone, like assignments are due or they create a color code spreadsheet. Like I just, you know, write my assignments down in the calendar and I highlight the big stuff. Um, but also I think from, I firmly believe finding a space that, you know, you can get work done. So I've like, I go to, you know, I have a, I have a room by myself so I can work at my desk. But before when I had a direct roommate, um, I went to our integrated science building because it's one, it's the nicest building on campus. I love it there. Most of my classes are there, but I found a space where it's just, it's just where I can get work done. So like some people go to the athletic facility and go to the study hall area, you know, 
some people go to, you know, the conference room where, you know, where we do film. Um, but it's just finding that space that's yours, um, where you can get work done, where, you know, I've, I also firmly believe like put the phone away, <laughs> you know, I think this is such a technology driven age and it's getting worse with younger generations, but you know, I don't, I, I don't have my phone within five feet of me when I need to get work done. Um, because I know it just d- distract me. Um, you know, I worked hard for my GPA in high school. You know, I worked hard for my GPA now in college and that's what got me into an accelerated master's program. Um, but I know to finish my master's out, I'll have to, you know, work 10 times harder than I did in my bachelor's. So I, uh, but, you know, obviously there's going to be days where, you know, double header days on a weekend where you're on the field from 10 a.m. until 7 p.m. Like you can't control that. Like that's what you signed up for. So just embrace it. Don't complain about it and just go attack, like plan ahead or, you know, get back at midnight from a bus trip and you got an 8 a.m. test, study on the bus. Um, that's why I've done it plenty of times doing, doing anatomy on the bus. Wasn't fun, but I had to do it. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's the thing. That's the biggest advice is just get ahead talk to your teachers, talk to your professors, because 95% of the time they're, they're willing to work with you. They're like, okay, I can extend the due date by, you know, an hour just so you can have an extra 25 minutes on the, like for a paper, like, uh, professors are super helpful. Yeah. That is some great advice there from the academic weapon himself, MCNCLO. <laughs> But yeah, that's seriously though, that's, it is great advice. And you, you said it, it's about having routine number one, but also just like the mindset of concentration, like you said, staying off the phone, finding a place for you to study. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, finding a routine is probably the hardest part. You know, I know, you know, I thought high school academics were a breeze. Um, you know, I took, you know, some AP classes too. Yeah. Those challenged, but you know, I didn't be like, Oh, I could blow off homework this day to go do this. Um, College is a little different. So like when you find like you define your routine, how you like things, you know, mom and dad aren't there to give you hugs and brownies every time, you know, in college. Like I remember, I remember my first test, you know, there, I, I like I said, I was a straight A student. I got a C plus on my first anatomy test. I called my mom. I was just like, the teacher didn't even want to talk to me after class. Like she didn't care. I was just a number to her. I was a student ID number, you know, in a class of 300 people. So like, at that moment, she's like, Hey, you just got to toughen up and, and like, you got to hit the books a little harder. And that's, that's what really opened up my eyes to be like, okay, like let's, I got to work for everything I have. Like they gave, they gave me the opportunity. It's my, it's, it's me, whether I'm going to blow it or make it, make the best of it. Yeah. That's, that's great advice from the parents. Nothing like your parents giving you some good advice there. <laughs> All right. And then one final question for you, your favorite all-time baseball memory. Favorite all-time memory. Oh my god, that's a toss-up between a few. Um, you know, my perfect game was pretty cool. Um, you know, I remember I struck out fourteen, and then there were like four comebackers back out to me, so I had like eighteen of the twenty-one outs. I was pretty. I wasn't even supposed to throw that day. My buddy got detention, so I actually had to throw. Um, but I wouldn't say that's my number. I I mean, I played on a pretty amazing little league team, and <laughs> to really look back at the past. Um, we won four regional titles, like four state titles. We went to the World Series twice, and I actually got to play on national television against North Carolina. Um, I played Cal Ripken, so it wasn't like Little League. 
um what didn't have like that big name but yeah i was i was catching back in the day before before the knees began to hurt a little bit but uh yeah playing on national television was probably the coolest moment and like uh meeting like kids from different countries because like there were kids from you know japan south asia mexico canada and i still i put all those memories in a box and that stays in my closet um and i'll have those memories for the rest of my life i this is something i will never forget yeah that's so cool and and again like you said at moments like that you're never gonna forget that yeah so cool all right tim thank you so much for joining us this has been a fantastic interview we look forward to your success at umb and good luck next week when you guys open up against new england college Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Of course. And this has been season six, episode two of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.